1: science story, huh? Is NYU scientist? they felt it. felt, felt, I felt I right. and so And happy. I just thought, well, well I figured it, out. I it so was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. Mm-hmm. Last reminder our next event in New York is December 17th. The theme is Science and Religion. See StoryCollider.org for more. This week's storyteller is Lawrence David. The story was recorded in December 2012 at the Oberon Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The theme of the event was It Takes Guts.
0: So I went to grad school thinking that I wanted to do uh, abstract theory of how complex microbial communities form and how they live. And uh, abstract theory is what I got. You know, the first three years I was there, I spent all this time working on my thesis, which was called uh, Novel Phylogenomic Approaches to Problems of Microbial Genomics. And what, what I was doing was spending all this time building these theoretical models of how the earth was evolving three billion years ago and what kind of bacteria were living there and whether or not they were breathing oxygen. I loved it, actually. I thought it was really interesting. But uh, I couldn't help but notice that no one around me really seemed to as well. Uh, in fact, you know, I hit the nadir of grad school around year three, which I think a lot of people do, when it occurred to me that I was spending all of this time working on something where I was trying to basically prove to only about 20 people in the world that I was a smart guy. <laughs> and that's terrible, right? You know, like you're boring your friends, your loved ones, you're talking all the time about your research, which you're really into, and no one no one cares. And I, I made this resolution kind of in, in private that, well, to solve this, I was gonna, as soon, well, I was gonna become a doctor. I figured if you became a medical doctor, you would interact with people on a regular basis who would care about your profession. And the other thing that happened around that time was I happened to see the movie uh, The Yes Man with Jim Carrey. I don't know if, any, if someone here has seen it. The, the plot is that Jim Carrey is leading kind of an unhappy life. And he goes to a self-help seminar and realizes that by saying yes to every opportunity that presents itself, uh, he ends up becoming a much happier person in the movie. So I figured, well, you know, it's working in this movie. I'll, I'll try this out until I get into med school. About a week later, as I was trying to schedule my MCAT, my, my boss comes over and knocks on my desk and says, hey, Lawrence, I've got a great idea. Why don't we, every day for the next year, save our shits? I was like, well, you know, it, it, it sounds a little, it's a little startling to hear first thing in the morning. But... He was actually, or, you know, we were sort of on the same wavelength, you know, and I understood what he was getting at, because back then there was uh, this field called the human microbiome. People here might have read about it. The gist of it is that there are these remarkably complex microbial communities living in and on our bodies, and uh, the statistic is that for every one human cell in the body, there are actually 10 microbial ones. And where these bacteria are coming from, and precisely how it is that... uh, we live our lives and might affect those communities. You know, the the drinks you're having, what you eat, where you go, how how much you exercise, all these things people had sort of speculated on whether or not they were actually affecting these communities. And it turns out that the densest ecosystem of all is your gut. And so by saving our shits every day, we could analyze those bacterial communities and I could use all of the statistical theory I had been learning to find correlations in the data and see, well, what was actually driving those communities' ecology. Um, so, it, you know, it, it sounded reasonable, but still I, I hesitated at least a little, because it, it, it was a little eccentric, and no one else in the lab seemed to volunteer for this. <laughs> but uh, we, in the end, agreed to do it, because I, I remember the yes man, and I figured this is going to be great. <laughs> so the next day... I go online, and I bought 500 of these white plastic uh, things we called hats. Uh, And we called them hats because when you turn them upside down and put them on your head, you look like Abe Lincoln wearing a white top hat. But when you put it right side up and and put it on a toilet, they were perfect for catching your poop before it hit the water and got contaminated. And then the next thing we did was uh, I figured this was my big chance. I would finally get the iPhone I had always coveted because... Um, I thought, well, we could use an app to track everything we were doing. I I pitched this to my boss, who uh, informed me that it was probably illegal to use NIH money to pay for a student's iPhone, but we compromised and I got an iPod. And so I I, I wrote this little app, and I I enjoyed it quite a bit. We had 300 different things that we could track every day about our lives with just about 15 minutes of tapping every day. Um, The best part, actually, I thought was... Uh, so we were tracking diet, exercise, sleep, heart rate, blood pressure, um, all kinds of things. The best was the the stool tracker I had written. Because uh, or what delighted me was we were measuring every poop, girth, weight, color, odor, um, from one to four. <laughs> and... I can't even claim credit for inventing this thing. It turned out that these researchers in England, I had found this paper, it's called the the King's Stool Chart. It was invented in in (laughs) Bristol, England. These people had put it together themselves and written a paper about it. And so I remember reading this paper and thinking, my God, there are professional poop researchers. This is fantastic. So, you know, the way my routine then went on after I collected these things was every morning, I'd wake up, grab a hat, Put it down, take a poop, and I'd tap a little on the iPod, and then I'd scoop it up and put it in the fridge (laughs) with the ice cream. (laughs) It sounds actually pretty easy now, but uh, in the beginning, I, I remember realizing I was terrible at this. I was probably the worst person in the world to be doing this study. You know, I had this really kind of queasy stomach, and when you're catching these poops, it turns out that Water is actually an amazing invention in toilets. What water does is it keeps all those volatile gases in your feces away from your nose. And the last thing you want to do is like stick your head in there and then, you know, displace it (laughs) and then, you know, pick it up with a tube. So those first days I'm gagging every morning. I wake up, I dread pooping and and I'm gagging and I hear my wife screaming from the like bedroom, serves you right for putting feces in our fridge. (laughs) Meanwhile, I've collected all these poops, and after the first month, I bring them to the lab, and it's getting awkward there, too, because the lab manager pulls me aside after she started processing the first month of poop and says, Lawrence, can you please stop eating so much sesame chicken every day? All those sesame seeds are clogging up my filters, and then my boss was even worse. I would get phone calls from him, you know, at all hours of the workday, and he pick up with this like, kind of really harried voice and say, Lawrence, where are you? You need to get here right now. I was like, good God. Did the freezer go out? Did we lose our samples? What's happening? I've just eaten the gnarliest sandwich. You need to put it in you so we can see what it does. <laughs> but Still, I, I found, though, I was actually finally starting to connect, though, with the people around me. Through this project, um, after word sort of gets out about these kinds of grad school projects, and I, I would go to parties. And this guy, you know, people would like sidle up next to me and say, hey, I hear you're that guy who tracks all his shits every day on his iPod. So do I. <laughs> or my, my grandmother, who I'm pretty sure didn't even realize I was in grad school, never asked me anything about my research, actually called me one day and said, hey, Lawrence, I've been having these hemorrhoids for the past 25 years. Can I mail you some poop? She's in the Philippines. Can I mail you some poop so you can analyze it and tell me what's going on? Um, The sweetest one, though, was my... I I had a lab mate, the sweetest girl, who pulled me aside also one day and, and said in private, Lawrence, every time I sit down to poop now, I think of you. But still, you know, uh, so people were, around me were enjoying it, and, and, and I was actually, it turned out, I loved it. Um, well, not so much the sampling part, but the data we were gathering, it turned out, were unbelievable. You know, we ended up collecting about 10,000 measurements of, of how two people were living their lives, and we also had all these data about how really complex bacterial communities in their bodies were changing over time. And so I was starting to actually get, getting to do a lot of these really neat kind of big data analysis, the kind of things that made me really excited to be a scientist every day. You know, you're we tracking, well, just eating yogurt every morning do something to your gut? It turns out not so much. Um, are there microbes that make you fat? Maybe not. Um, what we did find is that there, it turns out that there are changes associated with the gut uh, when you travel. And this was by far the best part of uh, getting to enroll in this study. My, my wife at the time, uh, was in med school, and she had gotten a post in Southeast Asia in the summer midway through this experiment. And I wanted to live with her uh, in Asia for two months. So I, I go to my boss and say, hey, uh, I've, I've got this you know, idea that maybe I can go spend some time with my wife while she's working abroad, and maybe you can continue to fund my research while I just eat street food every day. <laughs> That's a great idea. You need to go do that. So the about a week later, you know, we're flying there and I'm getting off a plane in, in Thailand and it, it crosses my mind. I just got paid to fly twelve thousand miles to take a dump. <laughs> like this is what a wonderful life. And you know, so we're traveling all over um, the region, and you know, finally we're we're coming back at one point off of one flight, and we're at the customs line. And at this point, you know, things had gotten along for a while. So I, I was actually starting to get good at this. And I even had a letter in my back pocket from the CDC, basically saying that my poop wasn't a national security threat. And so I could start carrying it now on my person. <laughs> and so if you, if you remember these customs forums, uh, from the bottom, the third line up, there's this box that says, are you carrying infectious agents, live snails, or bacterial cultures? Well, it turns out that your poop uh, by weight is about 50% bacteria, so I checked it off. I'm I'm carrying bacterial cultures, they're in my backpack. And I I hand it to the customs agent and say, oh, here you go. And he asks, well, okay, you've checked off this box, what's going on? Well, sir, I've I've got two weeks of my own shit in little tubes in my backpack. (laughs) And he looks at me and he says, well, why the hell are you doing that? And the words were out of my mouth before I I had even realized it. Because I am a scientist. (laughs) And, you know, he couldn't care less. He just, like, waved me on. You know, don't don't declare that anymore. No one needs to know that. (laughs) But, you know, of course, right? It, It turned out that I needed to know that. And that was the moment when it hit me. I was loving what I was doing. Um, people around me seem to find it interesting. I, had f- I wanted to be a scientist. And you know, I, I can say at that point, I, I actually didn't give up on med school. Um, I won't be going as a student, though. I'll be joining uh, the faculty at a med school next year as a professor of basically poop research. Thank you. <laughs>
1: was Lawrence David. Lawrence is a scientist studying the bacterial communities that live in and on the human body. He is now a junior fellow in the Harvard Society of Fellows and will be joining the faculty at Duke University in the summer of 2013. Lawrence is also a co-founder of sciku.org, that's s c i k u.org, an online collection of illustrated science poetry. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org. We have our magazine, archives of the podcast and upcoming events. The story collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel Shapiro. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, and Rafaela Benin. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the Oberon for hosting the show and to Theoretical Physics for being the very clean, non poop thing that I studied. Thanks for listening.